Oh, welcome to the Fallen Out Podcast. Uh, I'm here with uh, the other two members of the Wet Bandits. Um, I'm your host, Jordan, a.k.a. Harry. We got Grant here. He's going to be Barry. And uh, Russ is none other than Marv because he looks just like him. Oh, what's going on, boys? <laughs> so, uh, how's it going tonight, boys? Man, it's it's great. It's been a been a good day of football today. I know that's not what we're talking about tonight, but uh, you know, it's been a been a great Saturday. Well, yes, sir. I don't know about either one of you guys, but I ain't feeling a damn bit sorry for any Georgia fan tonight. Mm, absolutely not. Twenty nine in a row is way too many. Uh, yeah. Way too many. About twenty eight too many. Um, well, boys, uh, we're gonna we're gonna recap the Maui Invitational tonight. We're gonna talk about uh that UNC game the other night and uh, get ready for George Mason coming, coming to town here, uh, here this week too. So let's, let's dive right into it. Grant, what all, what all you got tonight, bud? Well, boys, you know, we're, I guess we're going to start off with talking about Maui tonight. And when we spoke last roughly about uh, 10 days ago, we all had high expectations for Maui that just did not come to fruition at all. Um, We'll start off with the Purdue game today, which was a four-point loss for the Volunteers. Um, we've mm. never really seemed to be, you know, able to score in that game. The defense was great on both ends. Both teams shot horribly from the field. You know, Purdue shot 35%. Tennessee shot 33%. Uh, both teams shot 26.7% from three. And then uh, 70% on Tennessee's free throws to 60% for Purdue's. Um my takeaway from the game is we still do not have the interior play that we needed. Now, I know Tobey Awaka was dealing with an ankle injury that has kept him out of the North Carolina game the other night, which we'll get into later. Um, but we're, we had that issue with that ankle, and it seemed to really hurt us in all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um do you got I would like to see the second chance points number in that game in particular because I know like you said they kind of beat us beat us to death on the boards. Um we just don't have the big man to that we need still to take a guy like Edie or somebody out of the game. Now granted Edie's huge, but you got to have somebody that get that puts up a little bit of a fight against this guy and guys like that cuz those are the kind of guys you're going to see in March. Well, you uh, know I mean, sorry, Grant. And this is the, I'm going to jump into that rebounding part of Edie's game that he had against us. And that's something that we had spoke about last week. I'd mentioned it to you, Grant. I'd mentioned it to Jordan. We don't have anybody that could out rebound that guy because of the length that he has, how athletic he is. And it showed. I mean, he had a, he had a field day on the uh, rebounding end of things. He absolutely did. You know, I mean, you look at the total numbers on the rebounds for the game. Purdue had 17 offensive rebounds to our 10. That right there is the ball game. But then also on defense, they had 27 to our 21. Oof. It just didn't look good on that. And then you go look at the box score over here, and I'm going to scroll down and find Zach Eady. On his total rebounds for the game, he had seven offensive rebounds and ten and uh, three defensive rebounds. Do you have his free throw numbers, by the way? Because his, this game should have been a lot worse than it was. That guy was not consistent at the line. He was not. You know, he went nine for 17 from the free throw line as well. So, I mean, missing eight right there, That's it, it should have been much worse of a basketball game than it truly was. I'm looking at 80. If he takes 17 shots in a normal game, 
the kid probably hits 15 of them. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. He's, you know, those tall guys have that advantage down in the post where they can just get over anybody. Right. Uh, and he's got a very, I don't know what it is about him. The dude knows how to draw fouls. Yeah, well, he's just so big, nobody can guard him. That's that's truly that's, what it is right there. When, when you're a head taller than everybody else on the court, you're, I mean, there's not much anybody else can do short of stabbing you to yeah. stop. You can't yeah. coach that. That's true. Yeah, and, you know, he, he got Jonas Adrian to foul out of the game, and that was really one of the turning points for us is he wasn't able to stay on the floor. He only got 13 minutes. Yes. Right. Si- size in basketball is a lot like speed in football. You can't coach it. I mean, you can coach it, but you can't coach it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you're born You're born either being freakishly tall or not. Right. <laughs> and it, and it just comes down to that. That's why the guys that are not that freakishly tall and they're really good, it's that much more impressive to me. But some of these guys who use their size to their advantage shows their basketball IQ, in my opinion. And Edie's got a high one. Those those guys that can that are big and know how to use that size to their advantage, like you said, it shows how smart they are. And honestly, a lot of those guys that are big are, are a lot more athletic than they look. I just Super don't think they look as athletic simply because we're watching these, you know, six foot three, six foot four guards running around out here and windmill dunking it, and they're just laying one up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, you know, guys, it's it's fun to see that kind of basketball, but at the same time, you know, I like seeing them just know how to play the game. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah, but you know, you dive into Tennessee just a tad bit more on this game right here, guys. Um, once again, this was the fourth game of the year. Uh, no, fifth game of the year, I'm sorry. And yeah. Dalton Connect was once again the leading scorer with 16 points for Tennessee on that. Much, um, yes. That kid can play ball. Our second leading scorer in the game was Jordan Ganey with 15 points. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit later in the show. I want to put off some time just for this only. But Santiago Vescovi did not look good again. He only had eight points, and every single one of them came from the free throw line. <sighs> There's uh there's got to be something going on there, you know. What I, I believe there is. I mean, it you know, I think he's having a hard time adjusting to not being the go-to guy. Um, Can you give us his average from last year, Grant? His average from last year, it will take me just a second, but I will be able to get that. I mean, this, I mean, Vescovy is he was our guy at, at a at a key moment for us last year. Most of the season, he was our guy. And I you mean. Know, about it is sorry, Russ. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I'm, I was just gonna say it's tough, you know, when you have a guy like Dalton that come in and have such a great start to his Tennessee uh, tenure. It would be very good to have a guy like Vesca be having the season he was having last year to go along with that. We'd be running teams off the court. No, we absolutely would. Last year he he got twelve and a half points a game. This year he's at seven and a half. The thing about it is with him is he's not the guy that's going to drop 25, 30, 40 a game. You know, he could do it. He could do it once, you know, once in a blue moon, but he's the guy that kind of does all the dirty work too. And he's he's, passing so underrated. Yeah, I mean, you know, Santiago Vescovi is a glue guy for the team, and I'll uh, I'll touch on him a little bit later in the show because I do want to set aside a couple of minutes just to really dive into him. But he's a guy who we have to have play better for us to be a better basketball team. And it really showed against Purdue. If he has 
15 points, we win the game. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we need from him, night in and night out. Um, but, you know, that I kind of want to wrap a bow on Purdue just for time's sake with us tonight. But also, I just want to delete that one from my brain. I don't want to think about it anymore. It was a great defensive game. But, gosh, that's one that we really needed, especially right. looking back on it right now. Sure. Yeah. So, We'll dive into Kansas as well, which this game was another rough one for us. If you really look at it, the volunteers lost this one by nine points. Um, We were tied at halftime going into this. And then in the second half, it just kind of fell apart. Um, You know, a little nugget that I found on this game right here that I thought was pretty cool. Kansas was the number one ranked team in the country at that point. And when we played Purdue the night prior, they were the second ranked team in the country. There has been not been a team to play back-to-back number one versus num- number one and number two teams in like 50 years. Oh, wow. wow. That's wild. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy too, because that stat was then beat again that same night by Marquette who had to play Purdue that night and they beat Kansas the night before. That that tells you how loaded that Maui field was. We talked about that the last episode too. That that field was loaded, and just I mean, what can you really say other other than that? And Marquette, they they done their job to build their resume in that tournament. They absolutely did. You know, that's that you go there to build your resume. It doesn't hurt you if you lose the games, but it sure helps you a hell of a lot if you win them. Mm-hmm. But I thought you, we looked decent against both teams, though. I mean, I know our offensive end was off against Purdue, but I thought we looked good against both teams. We played even to those two squads. We, You know, we did, and I'm not out on this Tennessee basketball team by any means right now. Sure, you took two losses in a row in Maui out there, but if you lose to the number one and the number two team in the whole country, back-to-back, who can complain with that? Right. Um, and Grant, too, you and I had sort of talked about it that night, that day watching Kansas. Um, that physical game we played the night before really kind of reared its head. And yeah. And you fell towards the end of that. We were we were tired. Well, it absolutely did. You know, uh, Kansas was in a big game with Marquette the night before, but they lost that one, and it wasn't really even close, if I remember right. Yeah, they lost by 14 points in that. So I think at one point, you know uh, – he called off the troops and he said, hey, let's just go ahead and prepare for tomorrow versus doing that where we really couldn't in our Purdue game. Right. But, you know, the one bright side that I really saw in this game was Santiago Vescovi had a good game in this one. Uh, 21 points on his 37 minutes played. He was 5 of 11 from 3 and 8 of 16 from the field. Right. Mm -hmm. He showed up for that one. He, he did show up for that one, but then you look at the rest of the team stats, you know, Jonas Adu only got eight points. Dalton Connect only had 13, which, you know, I'd be killing for most of these guys to have 13 every night, but Dalton needs more than that. He's got to be better for us. Yes. Meshack had zero. He just was oh. out there on the floor pretty much running the whole God time. Almighty. Yeah. You know, and then Josiah Jordan-James, he only had four points in 34 minutes. Oh, man. He's got to be better than that. Yeah, we yeah, from your starters, you've got to get them. I mean, from your even your just hustle guys like a Jordan James or you know like an Adu, you still need to pull six to seven points from those guys plus their hustle stats. Well, if you don't, you're going to get exactly what we got against Kansas, which is you lost by nine points. Yeah, you know, and you you look at this game right here. 
Josiah was one of six from the field. Meshack was 0 of 2. Connect was 4 of 17. Adu was 4 of 10. You, you're not winning basketball games that way. No. Because the guys Ziegler played 20 minutes and didn't even score either, and he shot six shots. Now, I will say, one of those 4 of 17 was stupid nice. The inbounds dunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Whew. That that was a that one was shared to my Instagram page right away when I saw that. Shoo. Yes, that was a nasty one. I want a poster of that one. That you know that was nice, but once again, we got to get more from him. Yeah, he's a he's our big big scoring guy for us. That's what we've got to have. You know, and you look at what we did to Kansas here too. They didn't particularly have a great game either. I mean, they shot a lot better than we did. They shot fifty two percent from the field versus our thirty one. But their three-point percentage was 33.3, and they only shot 50% from the free-throw line. And their leading score was Hunter Dickinson with 17 points. Oof. You know, I, it's, I, it's a recurring I, theme. The guys in the post are going to be eating on this team. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm worried about me. that. Worries me for what we can do moving forward on that one, boys. Yeah, well, you know, and that's that's been an ongoing thing, it seems like, since uh, Rev Rick's been here. We just don't have the big guys down down low to slow many people down, and if the three-point ball ain't falling, we're, we're in trouble. Well, that's the thing. You go, you got to think, too. It makes you look a little bit forward now, just seeing how we've struggled against the big guys in these games here. It makes you look forward to SEC play. And looking at who's got those bigger guys on the other teams we're playing against. How often are we going to be outsized in SEC play? That's a good point. It, it's a very big concern for me with this team moving forward. You know, I'm like I said, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on this bunch, but they've got to do a little bit more to impress me because you, you've went on a little bit of a rough slope right here playing in the post and being able to stop the bigs and get your rebounds that you need to get. You've got to you've got to roll with the punches at this point, but you've got to come together as a team and play together as a team. Though, you got to get Vescovy getting twenty one. You got to get Connect coming in there getting twenty four. You know, Adu getting six or seven. Uh, Jordan James, same thing, six seven getting ten boards. You know, we need that play. Well, and I, you know, even out of Josiah Jordan James, I think you can get a whole lot more out of him than just you 10 can. Points. You can get 14 to 15 out of a guy easily. Yeah. You know, and then you've got Zakai Ziegler still, too, who's trying to come up off that injury. But, you know, I think think we'll see their best ball played later in the year just because you've got a lot of guys who've got to be able to gel together. It's a pretty new and fresh team still as well. Yeah. (laughs) Our two main guys are transfers right now. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And I think it's a little unfair for us to hold a – to hold a li- – I mean, because I don't hold any resentment toward Neck for having a tough game against uh, Kansas. 13 points should be good enough if everybody else backs up their play behind you to get it done. Well, it's Exactly. Everybody has to do their job for the end result to be what we need it to be, and there was just not enough guys doing their job that day. And he's played what? How many games for us at Tennessee? And he's already being relied on like he is? The yeah, guys he's is. played seven. The guy is where it's at. We just – we got to really – we'll get into what happened here in just a second, but we got to just be patient. Absolutely. Well, I guess it is time to get into what happened on uh, Wednesday night against North Carolina out in uh, 
Chapel Hill. So, man, I'll tell you what. I watched that game from from start to finish, and that first half, that first half's what bit us. It, it absolutely did. You go down twenty two points in the first half. I mean, how how do you expect to dig a hole out that hole back out? And, and have enough left in the tank finish it up, finish that comeback off and win, nonetheless. Yeah, you know, I mean, you look at it, 61 points for North Carolina in the first half to our 39, but then we had 53 to their 39 in the second half. It it was a tale of two different halves, and if the same Tennessee team that played in the second half showed up in the first half, it's not even a basketball game. Same can be said for the North Carolina team that showed up in the first half against us, though. You're right on that, but I just I can't stand those Tar Heels. So I'm going to spin it on them that way. I know. But you look into what we did, guys. What we I mean, It should have been good enough. Our defense was just not good in the first half. Yeah, right. We shot 55.5% from the field. Oh, yeah. Incredible. You know, they're 40, 46%. Our uh, yeah. three-point was 32% to their 43%. Free throws are 81 to their 84. The free throws discrepancy, too, is massive. They had 38 attempts, and they hit 32, and we had 16 attempts and hit 13. Oh, see, that was something that was a big deal for us last year, too. We weren't getting to the free throw line. No, and if you've got guys We're not like getting Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James and Zakai Ziegler and Dalton Connect who can shoot free throws, why are you not being aggressive and trying to get to the basket? Right. We're not getting the calls when we do, though. I mean, that's a double-edged sword right there because it's basketball at the end of the day, you know, and it's sometimes not going to go your way, but you've got to make the contact so obvious that they're going to have to call it. you got to put the put, – my thing is, was last year and, and so far what I've seen this year anyway, they've not put the, the official in the position to where they have to decide to call it or not call it. And if it's close, nine times out of ten, they're not going to call it. Yeah. They're, well, they're not going to. And then it comes from your coach as well, riding the referees, getting in their face, letting them know about it, because eventually they're just not going to want to hear you complain. Right. Mm-hmm. And we don't see Reverend Rick do that at all. That's true. It's like he gets out there and uh, every now and then you'll see him get fired up. He did get and- fired up a couple of games ago. Got that T. Every now and then you'll see him get fired up and and take a tee, but I love you know, usually oh I do too, but usually you know he he kind of goes out there with his hands in his pocket, sort of him hauling around. It's like man, go out there and crawl their ass, man. You have to. How old is Rick though? Oh man, uh, he ain't gonna pitch over somebody. So he's, get, over, he's in the last half, last half of his seventies, that's for sure. Get get off, Rick. Come on, he ain't gonna pick no five. No, he's a good dude. He's yeah, good you got to argue on stuff like that sometimes because if they if they're getting thirty eight attempts from the line and we're getting sixteen, and if it's really hey they're they're fouling us and you're not doing it, coach has got to get his hands out of his pockets and say okay what what the heck is going on over here? It's the North Carolina effect, Grant. It well it is, and I think that's what a lot of the first half was for our boys as well. Yes, look, look at a lot of it. Some of those guys grew up in North Carolina over there. I know Jonas Adu did. Mm-hmm. Rick Barnes is from North Carolina. Everybody knows how good the North Carolina Tar Heels are in basketball, historically. Historic, right. yes. Yeah, I think that that had a lot to do with it. The wideout they had was pretty cool. It helped our orange pop out a whole lot for the ones that made the trip over there. They were wild, though. Yeah, the atmosphere over there was phenomenal. 
it's like, you know, they were like, man, we've got to show up to beat this team because they're good. Yeah. Well, you know, whenever the number 10 team in the country comes in and they've only got two losses to that point and they're to the number one and number two teams at the time, you're you're like, man, this could be one of the top five best teams in the country coming in here. I still think we are. I think that we have potential to be. That's, we, that's where we're I'll a top we've 10 got to get team. I don't know about a top five team right now, but we're definitely a top 10 team. We've got to finish games and, and start games for that matter. You know what I mean? Healthy, brother. we got to get healthy. Well, that, that is the biggest thing on that right there, too, because, you know, Dalton Connect went down with an ankle injury in the second half of this game. Yes. Sobe Awaka didn't even play with a rolled ankle. Freddie Dillion you know, four-star point guard who's a freshman. Mm-hmm. He didn't play in this game as well with a rolled ankle. So, yep. you know, I don't know what's going on, why we've got so many rolled ankles. They need to reevaluate what's going on over there, I guess, with the water. But right, you gotta you got to get these guys healthy because these are guys who can play big minutes for you. And- they need some milk. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Red <laughs> make them drink milk. Yeah, but, you know, we'll dive into our team stats real quick and jump into a couple other things of points of notice on this game. But Jonas Adu had 13 points. He played pretty well in this game. He He had two big free throws late. Yeah, well, he was three for three from the free throw line as well. Um, Yeah, I remember them talking about it during the game. They were like, yeah, he's only like a 66% free throw shooter whenever uh, Connect actually went down. Um, And he had to come out of the game. Oh, Hubert Davis over there had to pick the uh, free throw shooter, and that's who we picked. And he he sunk him. Yeah. You know, Jonas has really came a long way with his jump shot this year and his shooting in general. Um, He's really been in the lab working in the offseason, I feel like, and wanted to develop that part of his game so he could play at the next level. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. It's just, it's good to see him make that progression. But you dive into a couple of the other guys on the team as well. Zakai Ziegler played 28 minutes and only got nine points. He was three for eight from the field. He's still rusty coming up off that ACL, but good Lord, do we need him to start playing better? I think he, I think with him, it's a matter of he trusts himself. He don't trust that knee. Uh, Well, I think that's a lot of it, but. You've got to get out of that mindset. Yes. Because what yes. made him such a good player was his high motor. He's diving on the floor after every loose ball. He's yes. running two million miles a second over there on the floor. Yeah. That's what you need out of him to be able to be successful. Yes. Um, we need that play. I'm just not sure we're going to get back there, boys. That's it's that's he blew that whole knee out. That's hard to come back from. But if he can come back, if anybody can come back from it, I think he can. That injury was stupid nasty. Yeah, I mean, guys, you got to think about it this way, too. It's been, what, nine, ten months since that happened? Yeah. So, it's, it's still, time he's to still in his your... early stages of getting to play ball again. That's true. It's still, it's about time to start picking your game back up. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is throwing a football, moving around. He just torn his Achilles 79 days ago when it happened. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're not wrong on that. You, you've got you've to just overcome it eventually. And I, I think the ZZ will. I don't have any worries in him on that. But if this lasts much more longer, you know, another month, I'm going to start raising the flag up a little bit. Be like, okay, what's going on over here? Let's put, right. in, the, let's put in the other guy, the four-star kid. <laughs> at, at that point, I mean, that's what your other option is. Right. Um, if you dive into a couple of the other guys on the team as well, Josiah Jordan-James played a hell of a game. He did. 38 minutes, 8 for 11 from the field, 2 for 2 from the free throw line. He had 5 rebounds, Mm. 2 blocks, 
Mm. And only one turnover, um, zero assists, but only one turnover. So he didn't hurt, hurt you on that. He had 20 points. He filled the stat sheet up the other night and he had, he had some huge shots down the stretch. He did. He helped us stay him. in the game. Yes. Yeah. And in the first half, I think I was texting with you then, Jordan. I was like, he's the only one who even really showed up to play. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause we, it seemed like half the, half the team was left in Knoxville, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> He just come out and he he done his he done what he needed to do to keep him in that game. That 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 to me is a testament to his leadership. It, it is, you know, and this that's the stuff you want to see from a fifth year senior who's played a lot of basketball. Absolutely. Yeah, but you know, guys, we'll we'll dive into Dalton Connect right here with what he did, and then talk about the injury. But in thirty seven minutes, I don't think he even subbed out of the game until he got injured. He went 13 to 17 from the field, four for eight from three, seven of eight from the line. The man had 37 points, tied a non-conference record for a visitor over there at the Dean Dome at Chapel Hill. What it is. He would have broke it if he had, off. He would have broke the record had he got to shoot those fouls. That's what I was thinking the whole time, too. I was like, man, we can't have him leave the game right now. Right. Just because it, it would have been something special, you know, for a kid who was a junior college player, then went to a smaller school, then gets to the big ranks of college basketball. You know, that's the stuff you tell your grandkids about. Right. And I just, I hate it for him that he got that injury, which seems to be a pretty severe ankle sprain. Um, he was unable to walk off the floor on his own. He tried to stand up and then fall back down and he never entered the game again. And then after that, it was our minds weren't in in the comeback anymore at that point. I think everybody was just like, Hey, let's get out of here and get back to Knoxville, get find out what's going on with Dalton and go from there. Cause if it, if it's not any worse than a really bad sprain, we got super lucky. Yeah. Well, I, you know, my initial reaction whenever he went down was like, Oh my gosh, I hope he didn't break anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked nasty when it happened. It did. It, it did. And I, I'm just worried that he may not play ball for a little bit, but there's nothing that's been confirmed on that as of right now. Now, you know, here's the thing. You, it was bad. He, he couldn't walk off the floor, you know, went right back down. Did hear that he was seen walking out with the team, got on the bus without crutches, no walking boot. And uh, Grant, you, you were mentioning earlier to us off pod that he uh, actually went to a autograph signing last night. That's what I heard. So I'm hoping that that information is accurate. It's not confirmed on that. But if he's out there and walking around and going to an autograph signing, he may not be out as long as we're thinking he might be. I wish that I would have stayed long enough to be able to confirm that for us because I was like, but I had my little ones with me and was like, eh, they're getting antsy. We got to go. Um, but I, for, yeah, from what I understand too, I, I was under the impression that he he may or may not show up, and I was just like, "Well, he may he's probably not going to show up." Because I'm thinking Rick's been like, "Look, you want to go talk to fans, or you want to play ball and rehab that ankle?" And you know, any kid that's worth his salt or thinks he's good, you know, going to go to the next level is going to be like, "I'm going to rehab this ankle and get back out there." And you can't fault him for it if if that was the case. But it sounds like he was there last night, so that's good. To, that's good to hear. It is, and that, you know, he's such a big part of what this team is going to do moving forward. Are we going to need him on Tuesday night against George Mason? Probably not. 
Are we going to need him next week against Illinois when we meet with them? Absolutely. Yes, sir. We're going to need him in the SEC play. We're going to need him come March. This kid's got to get healthy, and he needs to get healthy as soon as possible because he – I mean, hell, you look at it right here. 37 minutes and 37 points. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's – A point a minute, that's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. You've got to have this guy healthy for us to be able to do anything because he's the only person on the team that seems to be willing to score on offense. You know, you've had Josiah Jordan-James with 20 points in that North Carolina game, sure, but Santiago Vescovi had zero points. (laughs) He didn't do anything. You know, it appeared that he got benched for most of the game, which I don't blame Rick Barnes for doing that, guys. No. Right. Me and you, me and you and Jordan were all talking during the game. Where's Santi? <laughs> yeah, it, you know he only shot one shot the entire game, and he missed it. He's yeah. not looking for his shot anymore. And I don't no. know what's going on. There are some reports that his grandmother has passed away, and there was some arguing going on. And I'll let Jordan speak on that a little bit more. But we, we, we need him to be that dog that he's been for us in the past if we want to do anything come moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. They were talking about that the other day. I seen that. And I guess he's just having a, I guess him and his grandmother were super close and they're, he's just having a very hard time, you know, adjusting to it. I guess him and uh, coach Barnes got in a shouting match in the locker room and it got pretty heated. Um, cause, cause you know, Rick kind of, kind of ripped him. Um, but yeah, his grandmother just passed, and he's not—he's adju- trying to adjust to not being the go-to guy. So he's got quite a, a bit on his plate right now. I'm a hundred percent a family guy. I—I love—I love my family to no end. You know, I've had deaths in my family. I've lost people that I've loved. It is tough. I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna say anything bad on that end. But at some point, you have to be. If you're in if you're in Santi's position, you have to be thinking, I need to be contributing to this team so I can put myself in a position to be drafted and, and go to the NBA and, and have a life that even though that this has happened to me and I'm in a sad moment, it, I'm going to have a better life if I can just get over this hump. Well, you, you have to eventually, you know, and – you look at what he's done this season. In seven games, he's averaging 7.6 points per game. And if you don't have that Kansas game right there where he dropped over 20, I mean, I, I'd hate to see what this stat really is at that point. Right. Um, you know, what? like what we said earlier in this episode, we need Santi to be Santi Agovescovi from last year or the year prior. You know, yes. his best season – was 21-22, which was the team with Kennedy Chandler, John mm-hmm. Fulkerson, those guys, where he got 13.3 points per game. But last year he had 12.5. His freshman year he had 10.7. You know, this is looking to be his worst year of playing college basketball in his career. And we're still think- early in. He's a good enough player to figure it out. But we've got to get this figured out and get it figured out quickly because Dalton can't be the only one to do it. Right, right. He's got to have guys that can, he he can score 30 35 a game and he and you look at it you know come March too like there's team there's got teams that have guys that are scoring you know 30 35 but they're also getting you know 10 to 12 from the role players and if that's the role that you know Vescovi's got going to have for have this year and and we need him to step up he has got to figure it out you know what i mean 
He has to, because if he doesn't, we're not going to get where we want to be. 7.6 points per game from a fifth-year senior who has been the glue of your team for the past couple of years. It's not enough. You know, it's it's just simply not good enough, and we can't have that from him. Right. And, you know, I I ain't going to lie to you. I'd kind of like to have been a fly on the wall in there the other night for – for that for that shouting match between him and Coach Barnes, because I'm sorry, I, I, like I say, I've seen Rick on the sidelines. I got a hard time believing he's shouting. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you, boys, and sorry to interrupt, but this is not the first time that we've seen an athlete go through something like Santi's going through, where somebody's passed away, they're having a hard time. But you take a look at some of these guys who've went through those moments. And some of these guys have had some of the best games of their career fueling themselves off of that. Sure, sure. I mean, well, you know, it, you had that guy from in the NFL here, you know, last year, year, year back. Uh, I think the night before, his, his wife had uh, just lost their baby. And he went out and he had the game of his life. I guess people deal with things differently, and that's something, you know, that everybody has to has to accept. Maybe he's just having a – really really hard time i mean i get it well and i I think that's a part of it but then also he's having to now learn to defer to somebody else on offense where he's never had to do that his time at tennessee right yeah he's got a lot on him right now yeah you know i mean the only year where he ever really deferred was his sophomore year that uh covid year where he had 8.7 points per game you take a look at the team around him though and everybody did a little bit of everything on that team they did you had Jaden Springer and John Fulkerson and Keon Johnson and uh Eve Pons on that that uh they played as a team that was a team that played as a team together well they did and nobody could score on that group either so they had to play great defense and that's what they did but you look at what he's done the past two years and this is just not the same guy you know and I think, like I said, he's having to get used to defer to somebody else. He's not the number one option. He's dealing with this thing in his family. And, you know, my heart just goes out to the guy because I know losing a family member is not easy. And Absolutely. It's hard, you know, how things change up at the office sometimes. But he's going to have to persevere through this, and he's going to have to quick if we're going to get anything done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and if he if he doesn't do that, boys, it's going to be time that we temper expectations. I know that we've only lost – three games this year and they've been to great teams but we've lost three in a row right now and that that is concerning to me because we we've got to get it figured out we haven't won a game since november 20th and we've played four games since november 20th to now yeah yeah and it's it's uh it's it's early in the season to have that kind of slump and but the good news is is that it's early and we've got time to figure it out. We've just got to figure it out quick. And, and a big part of that is, yeah, us getting healthy. Uh, but I'll just tell you guys right now, if, if it means, you know, not having Connect for, you know, three or four weeks and we get him back about mid-January for that, you know, January to February push for March, I'm good with it. Keep him healthy. If we got to eat a few, we got to eat a few. But keep him healthy because um, at the end of the day, we're going to be good enough to – make the tournament yes we will be i mean we're gonna play good enough defense our offense is good enough we're gonna win basketball games it's not time to you know raise the white flag and say you're done on this basketball team by any means i mean you look at who you've lost the games to 
Purdue, Kansas, North Carolina. That's a who's who. Exactly. You know, we're we're not in that blue blood category with those guys. So it, it just is what it is. You know, we're playing. We're 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 still a good team, and we're still a highly ranked basketball team. And should we won a couple of these games? Absolutely. But we didn't. And it's time to persevere and look ahead to George Mason to where we can get hopefully a bounce back game, a get right game, and get it figured out. Yeah. We're just so. we're, right now, we're just kind of doing the best we can with what we got and waiting for it to come together, I think. It is, you know, and this George Mason team that we're taking on this week, boys, is not a bad team. They're in the Atlantic 10. Um, they are currently sitting at six and one in their their league they've only got a loss to charlotte university so far so they've not really played any great teams they've played uh monmouth austin p cornell charlotte which was their one loss which was by five points uh south dakota state east carolina njit whoever that is and toledo new jersey institute i think is njit uh, that's probably who that is. So they they're like ITT Tech, ITT Tech. So they're they're a small school right there. I think New right. Jersey Institute made the tournament a couple years back. They um, probably did. That sounds right. And Toledo, Toledo's a solid ball team. They're not great, but they're solid. Um, the whole thing is none of these none of these games besides Illinois coming up really ring the bell as a tournament bid win. Well, they, they really don't. I mean, and you've got NC State that we're this look ahead to as well um, and a couple of other teams as well. But this this George Mason game right here has got to be a get-right game for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If we struggle in this game or Bob Hook or Crook lose this game, please don't happen, please. But that's, that's like worst-case scenario. Struggling or losing to this game to them is going to be bad. Well, if that happens, our next episode is going to be a, uh, I don't want to say a funeral, but it's going to be what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I'll put on my suit, fellas. Yeah. It's going to be almost that time if you lose this one. But something that's pretty cool about uh, George Mason, you guys know that's where uh, former assistant coach Kim English was a head coach at for a little bit. Right. Why this game was scheduled originally but whenever he took the job to uh, go to his next opportunity, they hired Tony Skin. Do you guys know who Tony Skin is? That name sounds super familiar. I'm not sure, Grant. He was the former standout point guard that played a key role in the Patriots ride to the 2006 Final Four. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that one's kind of cool right there, you know. It uh, is. That dude could ball. Man. I remember I was 12 years old back in 2006 and just watching that team go on their run. If they wouldn't have won their conference tournament, they would have not even been in the big dance. Right. And they made it all the way to the final four. That was the year before I started high school. I was in eighth grade that year. That was the eighth grade tournament. Uh, That was the eighth grade sweet sweet 16 round that I watched George Mason. Who was it they beat in the sweet 16? It was a big uh, name school. It I would pull up all their George Mason stuff right now. Oh, man, they were they played. It was the number three seed, I think. Oh man, let's see. I am looking at their schedule from that. Grant's going to hook us up here because I'm I'm 
it's like dust in the wind, brother. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Schedule. Let's see. They So they beat Michigan State in the first round. Second round was North Carolina. Third round was Wichita State. Wichita Fourth State. round was Connecticut. And then they finally lost to the eventual national champion, Florida Gators. Connecticut was who I – it was the Elite Eight matchup is what I was thinking of. Connecticut, that Connecticut game. I I just knew Connecticut was going to beat them without it's, a problem because that 04 Connecticut or that 06 Connecticut team was really good. Well, they they were an 11 seed, which is crazy to think about. And well, they had, Michigan State. North well, Carolina. the thing is with that UConn team in that season is they had a lot of injuries early, uh, a la what we're going through right now. A lot worse than us, though. They lost like three or three of their five starters early in that season. They all came back right around tourney time. They played good enough to get that seeding. Boom. Played their self right in there. And I was like, man, this team's going to beat George Mason without a problem. Because they had finally got their players back. Nope. George Mason was a good team during that tournament. They had they just got hot at the right time. They absolutely that's, did, and honestly, that's what most of it most of it's about in March. I mean, it really is just you got to get hot at the right time and get ready uh, and be be able to hang with teams that you know you probably shouldn't. But, you know, not to get off topic, who's y'all's favorite Cinderella squad that you guys have witnessed? Oh man, that's tough. Uh, you know. I don't even really want to call them a Cinderella Cinderella squad. I liked watching uh, Virginia lose that 16 seed like, uh, two, like two or three years back. Oh, was it uh, PMBC or something? Oh, like UMBC, that? University UMBC. of Baltimore, Maryland County. Yes. Yeah. You know, if I, I mean, if I had to pick one, I don't want to go with the recency bias of Fairleigh Dickinson just because of the size that they had and they had a tough time, but I'm going to go with Florida Gulf coast back in that run in 2011. I want to say is one of those. Oh, when they were yes. oh dude, yes, that, that was, was a good, good one. They, I mean, they could jump out the gym. They had shooters. They were athletic. I'm going to roll with that Wichita state team. They weren't a Cinderella squad, but they shouldn't have got where they were at because of the team that they were. Uh, which team was I'm, which team I'm thinking of? No, they were a Cinderella squad. They were a low seed. I think they were like an eight or nine seed. Well, Ended up know, making it pretty far. I think they were eight or something like that. We talk recency though. I mean, I know we lost to them last year, but that FAU team's got to come to come to mind. Well, and they're still a good basketball squad. Ooh. I mean, that's one of the better ones in recent memory. I think. I would have to say that we're going to, whenever March comes around, boys, we're going to have to do a uh, uh, Cinderella bracket or something like that of some of our favorite teams, just because that's such a good thing to think about right there. We can do that. We We can can set one of those up. We'll have to do that. that. We'll have to do that. Well, boys, let's, let's take a look around the SEC real quick and let's see what some of the other squads have been doing as well. Um, The SEC and uh, ACC challenge was this past week, and it ended in a tie. It was the first time we've done this with the ACC. Typically, we've been going with the Big 12. Um, The the SEC Big 12 challenge was my favorite week of basketball every single year, so I'm sad to see it go. But, you know, having this in November isn't bad. 
Right, right. It was a good change of pace, too. I mean, I ain't going to lie to you. It was getting a little boring beating the Big 12 or whoever it was we were beating up on for a little while. Yeah, but, you know, I'll say this. I like having that break from your conference play right there in February, beginning of February into January, where you can yeah. step outside the conference. And I'd, I'd like to see them move this back a little bit later in the year, maybe in the future, but we'll see what they end up doing. But sure, the first year ever ended in a tie. It is what it is. Um, Mississippi State ended up losing to Georgia Tech. Um, they lost by eight points. South Carolina ended up beating Notre Dame by 12, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, South Carolina was not a team I had on my radar to be able to do much of anything. Right. Um, so that was that was cool to see. Uh, LSU lost big time to Syracuse. Syracuse won 80 to 57 in that one. Right. That was um, not even close. Not no. even close. Not at all. One of the more exciting games of the SEC-ACC challenge was Missouri over Pittsburgh. Um, Missouri won that one 71-64. Um, mm-hmm. Missouri, in my opinion, is still one of the better teams in the SEC when it comes to basketball. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be solid. They're, they're, they're going to be a team that probably gives us fits, to be honest with you, the way they oh, like I to think play. absolutely will. They were the ones who put us out in the SEC tournament last year. Um, that's going to be that, that, that team seems like they're just going to be a thorn in our side this year, as bad as I hate to say it. Yeah. They play with pace and that's something we can't handle. Yeah. Right now pace, if we can dictate the pace, we're fine. If we have to, you know, try to try to slow it down, we're in trouble. We showed that the other night. You're not wrong. Um, the next game. Yeah, Arkansas, man. Oh, my gosh. Arkansas ended up beating Duke by five points. And a capacity crowd over there at uh, Bud Walton Arena. And the fans got to storm the floor, which was a lot of fun right there. Right. Uh, speaking of Duke, though, they actually dropped Georgia, dropped one to Georgia Tech today. Did they really? Yes. Yes, Ooh. dropped one to Georgia Tech. So... You know, that that's kind of comforting, too, to know that we're not the only one kind of riding the struggle bus right now. Yeah, and Georgia Tech is not a fantastic team, but they're not a bad team either. Right. So, that's concerning to see, you know, Duke drop that one. But, you know, what's even more concerning to me and even funnier um, is Kentucky, after having a great showing against Miami and winning that game by 22 points, Goes out today and loses to North Carolina Wilmington. Who? <laughs> exactly. You know, all I'm going to say is it couldn't happen to a better fan base. Kentucky fans, come at me. I don't care. Back oh, to the coal mines. You let them come to balling out. We'll, we'll take them right back to the coal mines. Absolutely. Hey, hit me up on Instagram, grant.will94. I will gladly take all your complaints, Kentucky. There it is. And we'll read them online. It'll be like me. It will read them on the podcast. It'll be like mean tweets. Oh, Kentucky fans, please give it to me. That's all I want now. We want mean tweets. We want to be able to read them out on the pod so we can pick you guys apart. I'm looking at you, J-Rod. Ooh, ooh, that'd be a good one. That would be a good one. You know what? I'll drink to that, boys. Drink to that, my man. (laughs) I'll smoke to that, fellas. (laughs) There you go. I will drink my water to that. (laughs) Bottoms up, Grant. Bottoms up, boys. Well, boys, this has been a fun one, but I think that we can wrap a bow on this because we have covered everything that has to do with Tennessee basketball since we last talked. That sounds good to me, boys. Um, tomorrow night, we're going to – I think I think 
the three of us, Grant, we're going to try to get together like we were talking earlier, as long as you're still down to do it and able to uh, talk about these, these uh, college football playoff rankings and whatnot and talk about what bowl game we get because we're going to know tomorrow. We absolutely will. I think that'll be a fun one. Um, we'll have to jump on and do that, guys. Yeah, we'll get we'll get some uh, other tastes of the country on here too because we got we got one that's hoping that beating Georgia gets them into the playoffs, and another one that's just got to win tonight and they're in. So we'll see what happens. And you're gonna have a couple of guys who's just hoping that we get a bowl game that's worth a shit. That's it. <laughs> We get three guys that are just, you know, happy to be here. <laughs> oh, I just, I tell you what, boys, regardless of how it goes tomorrow night, I'll see you on the other side and uh, smoking Joe. Snow. Smoking Joe. Go damn balls. <laughs> Go damn Go balls. Damn balls. <laughs>